Hi, and welcome, everybody. My name is Melissa Marks. Welcome to your Mindful Hour's first podcast. On your Mindful Hour, I talk to people who are bringing some element of mindfulness or meditation into their lives. Today, I talk with a really interesting guy, Robert James Collier, who is the founder of Entrepreneur's Dinner, a really fresh and creative take on a networking experience. You'll learn why Rob says no to business cards, his plunge into meditation with a 10-day silent retreat, and how he answers one of life's most essential questions. What is going on underneath those Drake songs in my mind? I hope you all enjoy the show. All right, Rob. Hey, it's such a pleasure to have you join me today. Thank you so much for making the time to talk today on your Mindful Hour. Yeah, my pleasure, Melissa. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Awesome, Rob. So let's just start by letting us know about you. Tell us about you. Sure. So my name is Robert Collier. I'm the founder of Entrepreneur's Dinner, which is a curated invite-only event that brings together entrepreneurs from across the country to grow their businesses together through relationships. Um, Essentially, what we do is we host dinners at beautiful private residences. We have private chefs that serve delicious four-course meals, uh, bartenders that serve your favorite drinks, and videographers and photographers that capture the entire experience. And you know, essentially what we do is we, we help those entrepreneurs who have a big vision and they want to impact others in the world. We help them to gain emotional clarity to fulfill their vision. We help them to meet one to two life-changing mentors per quarter and then also uh, develop the relationships to reach your financial goals even faster. Um, so that's my business. And I'm a person who uh, I love meditation. I love exploring and traveling the world. Um, And I just love, you know, learning and self-development and and part of the way that I learn best um, that I prefer to learn is through business and just trying stuff out. So that's a little bit about me. Mm, I love it. I'm so curious. So just a little context for people listening. I don't know you that well. We have talked once and really by on design from, from my point of view, because I wanted to get curious about you and learn all about you. So we, we know each other from a mutual friend who we love, Kristen. Shout out to Kristen. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Kristen. Kristen O'Neill, wonderful financial planner. Check her out. Absolutely. So, so, all right, you're doing this really interesting work and it's creative. It's different. It's not just like your, your ordinary average networking group. How did this arise for you? Where, where was the inspiration? How did this come about? Sure. So um, since you don't know much about me, <laughs> all of this will be brand new. But mm-hmm. um, in late 2014, my dad had a double lung transplant surgery. He has an autoimmune disease called scleroderma. And I was living in Detroit, Michigan, working for a software company uh, while he was here in Dallas, Texas, where we both are. Um, going through just the whole process. We weren't sure if he was going to live or not. 
he ended up having a double lung transplant surgery. And when the doctors opened his chest up, they said he would have been dead within 48 hours had he not had that surgery. Mm, They had no idea it was was that bad. They looked at his lungs and they were basically useless. So um, the reason why I moved back to Dallas was to be at home with my parents and to help out around the house. So that's what brought me back to Dallas. I was basically in Detroit. I was stressed out, not knowing what was going on. And I wanted to be back home and, and really kind of put my hands and my eyes on, on both of my parents. Um, mm. So I lived in my parents' home, you know, and just, just trying to help out and, and also kind of gain my footing with a new environment. And, you know, a few months into it, I decided that I wanted to jump back into you know, some of, some of the entrepreneur things. I had a, a website, a blog called Practical Idealist that I was writing on, but I noticed that I had a lot of friends here in Dallas that were just working on some really cool and interesting projects, but they didn't know each other. Mm. And from my point of view, I saw, I saw the traditional networking environment. I saw, you know, people connecting with each other, but there was just a lot missing from that. You know, to give you an example, like when I go to most networking events, you know, people are handing out business cards and I look at, I look at that environment and the business card interaction is like a microcosm of everything that's wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like you, people are just shelling out business cards, like it's money at a strip club or something like that, like making it rain, like, yeah. Hey, you get a business card, you get a, you know, or whatever. And it just feels super sleazy. It's like, let's mm-hmm. actually get to know each other. Let's actually develop a genuine relationship with one another. So what I wanted to do was have an event that was the opposite of that. So what I did, Melissa, is I ended up, um, I just, I put up on Facebook, hey, if I put together an event for entrepreneurs, would you guys want to come? Over 60 people responded, said they would. So I put together an event at my parents' home. I wanted to do inside of a home because I felt that was more personable and intimate. I had private chefs come over and serve these different food stations. I'm not a big foodie, but it was like all this foodie stuff, like Mm -hmm. kimchi something and fish something. I don't know. It was really good. And um, I told people that they should leave their business cards at home. I said, don't bring your business cards. They're not welcome because what we want to focus on is genuine, organic relationships. And then I had everybody sitting in a circle. And each person shared what their business is, what their biggest challenge or hurdle in business is, and then most importantly, how they could help others, right? Wow. And so as a result of those things and some other, you know, uh, tidbits in there, at the end of that event, uh, the group of people that came, the only person that anyone knew was me, they ended up asking when's the next one. And so from there, Entrepreneur's Dinner was born. Okay, so I love it. It's so, it's inspiring. It's all about connection. It's conscious to me. So help me timeline me here for a minute, your meditation practice. When did that part of you come to life? Because you mentioned 2014 with your dad and I appreciate your story so much. And I know that that must've been a very difficult time for you. But you you made this you made that situation turn into something that became it sounds like bigger than you and certainly more than you probably knew about at the time. So help us out with your timeline on meditation. Yeah, so my meditation practice began about three years earlier hmm. um, in June 2011. Okay. So essentially, I had 
I've always been curious and I've always wanted to learn more. There's always been this yearning for truth inside of me. Um, and that found its way to me Googling and looking up YouTube videos about meditation. And I was just trying to practice, you know, I would just sit, I remember, um, you know, I had just graduated college. This was, uh, 2010 when I graduated college. And so I was, you know, trying to look up YouTube videos about meditation and different practices and things like that. And uh, one of my friends, his name is Raman, he actually told me about this uh, meditation course that he went to, you know, and he said it was uh, 10 days. It, um, you know, he basically, he just meditated for 10 days. They didn't allow for speaking. Uh, they didn't allow for phones, no communication whatsoever. It was just up to 12 hours of meditation throughout the day. And he told me about this. Um, and I was like, that sounds amazing. Like, I, I definitely want to do that. He also gave me a book called Autobiography of a Yogi. And I had only started reading a little bit about it before the meditation um, retreat. But between those two things, that really kind of opened my eyes. And then I went to that meditation retreat and... I mean, that was the most intense, physically and mentally exhausting and rewarding thing I've ever done. And I'm a, you know, college uh, athlete, former basketball player, and it was just exhausting. But I walked out of that so happy and I saw everybody smiling, you know, and just um, my mind felt renewed. I felt more clear-minded. I got back to deciding that I wanted to go back into startups. I was doing some other stuff. And that was my first foray into meditation. That was in uh, June 2011, my first uh, Vipassana meditation retreat. Yes. Okay. So Vipassana is, it's no joke. It it. It's truly amazing. It's incredible. I think you spelled it out really, really well. It's both, it's like the highs and the lows all at once. And I'm really impressed that just from the get-go, you were inclined to go for it. Because when most people hear 10 days, silent retreat, 10 to 12 hours a day meditating, they're not like, gung-ho, sign me up. So, I'm so curious, what was it about, was it the challenge of that? Like what, what drew you to that? Because there's so many different ways to meditate, right? And, and that spoke to you. So what was it about that particular way and style and structure that appealed to you? Yeah, you know what? So it's probably a couple things. One is I've been the type of person that I've, I've always experimented with myself. I, I call them self-experiments. Um, a couple of months prior to that, I, I self-experimented to see how long I could stay awake. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, <laughs> and ended up uh, staying awake for 70 hours, which that third day was so tough. Like, you talk about driving in traffic in Dallas. Um, I mean, it was like... I just came like this close multiple times to hitting someone in the back bumper, but I've always done these like self experiments just to learn more about myself, to have more discipline just so that if the situation arose where I needed to become a higher self or I needed to push myself to the max, I could do so. And so this idea of just meditating, just disconnecting and going within just really appealed to that self exploration side of me. I think another part 
was um, that the opportunity to learn a meditation technique was there, right? Because when I was doing these meditation videos and these, these readings on meditation, I just wasn't sure if I was getting it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to meditate and trying to do it for five minutes and I can and all these ideas keep popping up. So this idea of being able to go to a retreat where they teach you their style of meditation, they teach you this practice of meditation, that seemed really uh, welcoming to me. And the third thing was the person introduced it to me and mm-hmm. my friend Raman, very just calm, uh, trustworthy, one of the most loving people I know to this day, he introduced it to me and he said it was good. So based upon his recommendation, I I knew it was something that I should check out. I love that story. And I think it's, it's, it's a matter of being in the right moment, your life situation at that time, you were already a very curious person, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you were, you were just ripe and ready to take that exploration a little bit deeper and you found the right person. He was right there at the right time in your life to show an example of something that you were curious about. So you sound like a curious person overall. Would, would that be a fair statement? No doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt. The The nickname that I get the most from people is Mr. Interesting. I get that all the time. Like it's, it sounds, it feels weird even saying that, but constantly the adjective that I get described the most as is interesting. It's because I'm, I'm so curious. Yeah. Has your meditation practice changed your ability to become more curious or more interested? Um, I wouldn't say it's changed my ability, but it's deepened the level of understanding and experience that I have with different things I'm interested in, right? Tell it's, me more. yeah. So with meditation, there's a whole new field that opens up, right? So like at that 10 day meditation retreat I went to, um, I went within, you know, I'm, I'm using quotes for, for those who are just listening, but um, I went within myself and I just, found this whole new realm that I, I, I had a feeling, maybe an intuition that existed, but I hadn't experienced it. I mean, just weird, weird stuff, like different energies. And, uh, I just heard my mind and I I felt my mind go from like constantly playing these Drake songs. Like I'm just listening to Drake in my own head. Love it. Yeah. To like quieting down and realizing that Drake had left my head and and then all these other thoughts were there. And so like what's just, underneath the Drake? Yeah, like there's that's a real question. Like <laughs> what, what's underneath, you know, for whatever it is, whatever, you know, whether it's um, a musician or whether it's your own self-talk and talking to yourself and or whether it's uh, these arguments that you're having with other people, like, oh, they cut me off and what I would have said to them, should have said to them, didn't say to them. Like, there's all this noise inside of our minds. And so what's underneath that noise? And I started to, I began to explore that. That was a, a question that I didn't even have before until that experience. And so what I mean is that, um, by going within, I now had a practice where I could explore my mind further, but also that I could 
be more connected to the world around me and also my own emotions towards the things that were happening outside. And um, it really gives me like a reflection point. I, I can feel certain things. I can feel fear when it arises. I, I definitely feel it inside my chest, inside my solar plexus. And then to later find out that that's where fear arise, arises on MRIs and other things. Like there's certain things I, I can feel within me um, that I wouldn't have access to without meditation. And, and then um, just as far as like intellectually, um, my capacity, my, my processing ability, like it's just stronger when I'm meditating more and I'm more mindful. So that also gets me or allows me to begin you know, like really asking questions. And, you know, if I'm reading the Bible, I interpret it differently than I would have before. And, you know, if I'm reading certain ph philosophical texts, I interpret it. I just, it's, um, it's a weird way to explain it, but I have access to some things that I wouldn't have had without that practice of meditation. I love it. I love it. So let's, let's try to connect a, a few dots here. So with Entrepreneur's Dinner, the, that creative spark that came how did you ever meditate about entrepreneurs dinner like hey i'm confused about a problem i'm having or an issue or as i'm creating it or forming it or did it come sometimes people get ideas like big ideas bigger than themselves types of ideas simply from the practice of sitting still and being quiet was there any of that for you in the formation or the continual creation of Entrepreneur's Dinner? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So if you remember that website that I was talking about that I was working on before Entrepreneur's Dinner called Practical Idealist, that name, that website, and a lot of the content that I wrote for that website came directly from a meditation retreat. Absolutely. I mean, mm articles about Michelle Obama deciding to hire a mentor, like all that came directly from a meditation retreat with entrepreneurs dinner. I'm not sure that the idea came from it, but I'm sure that the meditation and again, having access to different parts of my brain, creative, creative areas and, you know, just empathy and things like that. I, I don't doubt that that facilitated it. Um, and there's definitely like, there's definitely times where, um, where I'm meditating and I get creative ideas that I apply to entrepreneurs in or other areas. So if, if meditation directly was responsible for entrepreneurs dinner, I don't recall that to be the case, but definitely it's played a big role in different components of entrepreneurs dinner and, and sort of the mission, the spiritual mission, uh, that I, that I see for it as well. Yeah, I think like at some point, was, and you've been practicing for a while now, there becomes the, the kind of the transition that it's more than just the formal practice of sitting by yourself with your eyes closed, paying attention to yourself, your breathing, your thoughts, etc. But then there's the, the stitching that's happening all through the day or in pockets of the day. Maybe, you know, we're, we're all practicing. It's not like we're, we're enlightened and every single moment is, is one of mindfulness. But right. it, it may be because what I'm hearing is that connection of just being more present in your daily life informs how you think about things, how you conceive things, just the fact that you bring people together in a circle, you're, you're thinking about connection, you're, you're formu formulating this in a way that 
serves to bring out other people's higher consciousness and connect them to something bigger than themselves and to one another. So does that resonate for you at all? That it's, it's sort of just becoming a, just a natural part of who you are as a person? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't see my life without meditation. That's, mm. there's no, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if I could go back to not meditating, to be honest. Like I don't, I'm not dependent on a lot of things, but peace, mindfulness, and calm probably is what that's one of my one of my good dependencies. You know, it, when you were speaking, it reminded me of this quote, and I, I don't remember who who's the author of it or who said it, but they said that, and I'm paraphrasing, a mind once expanded. Um, shoot, now uh, it was essentially a mind once expanded uh, will never regain its original form. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's what mindfulness meditation has done for me. It's expanded my mind. My, my mind will never go back to what it was before. I, there's just so many things that I've experienced, so many things that I'm aware of now that, and why would you, why would I want to? Mm. Like, that's not even, no. Like, and yeah, so everything has changed. I mean, uh, habits, um, drinking has, you know, gone way down, um, you know, going out on the weekends and partying, that's gone down. I still like to have fun, but it's just, it's just gone down, you know, um, destructive eating habits has deteriorated a bunch. Uh, the way I speak to people, the, you know, is more wholesome or just, it's, it's just better and it's just more kind and the compassion I have. Shoot, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian right now. And that would have never happened if it weren't for meditation. I wouldn't have seen the links that that um, it feels like it's more in alignment with the values that I, I currently hold. And I wouldn't have held those values if it weren't for meditation. So yeah, meditation and my practice is, is a part of me. They're not, it's not really separate at this point. Man, I love it. It's beautiful. So talk us through what it looks like on a practical basis. How do you, do you meditate every day? If so, what's, what does that look like? How many minutes or does it vary? So walk us through what that's like. Sure. So right now I I have a pretty, I won't say strict, but we'll, we'll just say regimented. Why not? I have a pretty regimented morning routine right now. I'm actually practicing the least amount of meditation on a daily basis than I have in months, maybe years. So, um, my morning routine is I wake up at 5.45 a.m. I practice what's called Wim Hof breathing. It's just a breathing technique to oxygenate your entire body, get into um, your endocrine and reptilian brain and, and all these things. So I do that for 15 minutes and then I meditate for 15 minutes. Now, my meditation practice is, it still follows the Vipassana track, but I'm actually not po- practicing Vipassana. I'm practicing, um, and the name just escaped me right then. Um, uh, what's it? Anita? Anyways, it's breathing. So I, I practice uh, breath going in and out my nostrils and then hitting the upper part of my lip. Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. you know, breathing in, breathing out. And I'm just paying attention to where the breath lands right above my upper lip. And I'm just paying attention to that going in and out. And um, I'm paying attention to 
you know, if there's thoughts that come in my mind, whether it be thoughts about the day, thoughts about waking up that early, you know, thoughts about what I could have done the day before, thoughts about what I should do today, then I just try to re- refocus my mind back to my breath and the breath coming in and out my nostrils and landing on the upper part of my lip. And I do that for, uh, we'll say 10 to 12 minutes. Then I do, and this is a little bit separate from meditation, but it happens during that 15 minute meditation period. Then I, um, I basically do meta and Mm -hmm. meta is, you know, um, I think it's compassionate kindness or compassion, loving kindness is loving kindness. Yeah. So I practice meta, uh, meta and, um, you know, just wanting well for all people and, and all beings, uh, being happy. Then I do a, um, a quick, uh, you know, desire or intention for positive, uh, spiritual, emotional, physical, and mental, um, opportunities and well-being to come to me. Um, I declare that the perfect clients, organizations, and opportunities uh, come to me, and then I pray. And I pray for uh, those in my life. I pray uh, for myself. I pray for you know just uh, things that I feel are important, and I know that it's done. And then I finish up that, and I go straight to the gym to go work out. Wow. You're, you're incredible and inspiring and amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So, okay, Thank I have you. to ask. I've got to ask. Do you have struggles with this practice? Do, do, do you have moments where, I don't know, something happens and, and you get thrown off? And if so, how do you handle that? Um, I mean, right now it's, it's more struggles with making sure I wake up every morning at 5.45 a.m., which is not happening this week. <laughs> this week. I did it today, uh, but this week, like the last week and a half, has been has been kind of wild. Um, so I have more struggles with making sure that I wake up on time. Um, once I get into the Wim Hof breathing and the meditation, no. Um, I mean, I don't view the practices trying to be perfect anymore i just view the practice as perfection mm. right so like if i'm just sitting there i'm meditating that is perfection for me as long as i'm doing the practice and i'm, I'm holding to that then that's perfection um i am struggling with wanting to do more of it um the best times that i had in my life internally not externally but internally was when i was practicing an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening Mm. which can sound like a lot of time but boy do you get that time back Mm -hmm. you you get that time back with just presence so um that's a struggle and in maintaining mindfulness throughout the day that you know i can do much much better with that that's not even yeah, I can do way better with that. I'm not even, <laughs> oh, I could do way better with that. So yeah, those are some current struggles and challenges and opportunities really. When you first started meditating, especially after the Vipassana retreat and maybe that first year, did you have different challenges? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Because that first year, I was trying to incorporate it into a daily routine, right? So you go to Vipassana and this is not a spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't been and who wants to go, but 
when you go to Vipassana, they ask you to maintain the practice. And no, you're not going to meditate 12 hours like you've done at the 10-day course, but I think the recommendation is 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. So that was a challenge, you know, in the first uh, week, it was fine. You know, I was maybe doing more than 30 minutes the second week, you know, I was still doing pretty good. But after a few weeks, after a couple months, it was after a couple of weeks, actually, it was it was tough, like to, to still do it and still adhere to that. And, um, you know, that was years, years of trying to incorporate that into a daily routine before it actually began sticking. I don't know at what year it became a regular part, but I, I would say probably three or four years into it, like mm -hmm. three or four years of, you know, trying to practice meditation on a daily basis. And finally, after three or four years, it had become a daily practice of mine. So that was a challenge, you know, and it's something that, again, like once uh, the mind expands, like you're aware of just how it can benefit you. And so, you, you feel down on yourself. I felt down on myself for not practicing it the way I should. And I would go back to a 10-day meditation retreat. Another thing they recommend is you go back to a 10-day meditation retreat every year just to be reminded of it. And you go back to it and you're like, man, this is so good. Like, what have I been doing? And then you go back to the same thing. It's like, oh, crap, I'm not meditating. So, yeah, that, that first year and, and even a couple years after that, those were those are challenging. Even to this day, you know, like trying to – go back, like trying to figure out on the calendar when I'm going to do it. And each time, here's something funny, Melissa, it's like each time on the, the meditation retreat specifically, it's like there's this question about whether I should do it or not. And every single time after I go, I'm like, why did I even question this? Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is never a bad decision. This is always a good decision for me. So that's, that's kind of the irony of uh, meditation. It's like it's always a good thing for me personally mm -hmm. and generally, but it's like, man. I think it's like, I, I think for, for a lot of people, they maybe can relate to working out. It's like if you're on, on the fence about it, like, oh, I'm kind of tired. Should I do it? Should I go? And then you, know, you make yourself do it. And, and then afterwards, you're like, yeah, that was great. You never regret going to take a jog or work or work out. I think it's, it's very similar to that. Anytime we're doing something good for our bodies, but yeah, just that mental shift that it's a priority. And the funny thing about the mind, you know, this, the mind can be pretty creative and find all the reasons why you've got to do everything else. And there's a saying, and I'll, I'll probably botch it, but paraphrasing it, it's like, uh, if you think you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, you probably need an hour. So it, it's like when you think you really don't have time for it and you're so busy and you're so this and all of that, that's probably an indicator that you you do need it, right? Yep, agreed. But, but the mind's so great at, at coming up with reasons not to do it. So, okay, Rob, where can people find you online? So you can find me at a couple places. Um, the number one place to get connected with me if you want to, you know, join the Entrepreneur's Dinner and the other stuff that we have going on. If you're an entrepreneur who's looking to grow your business and, and you know you either need to connect with mentors to get to the next level or you just want to develop relationships. Maybe it's, it's lonely for you kind of being in the entrepreneurial space, which it is for a lot of us, or you just need relationships in order to take 
to uh, the next level to grow to either, you know, six figures or, or above, then the best way to connect is at entrepreneursdinner.com. That's entrepreneurs with an S dinner.com. And there's a join us button. You can just click that. Um, outside of the entrepreneursdinner.com website, we can connect on Facebook. And so uh, if you look up Robert James Collier, um, or just go to facebook.com backslash Robert James Collier, and that's C-O-L-L-I-E-R. Uh, that's my Facebook. And then it's also Robert James Collier at Instagram. That, that may change uh, shortly, but for the time being, Robert James Collier and Instagram. Those are three places that we can definitely connect. Ooh, I just thought of something. Tell people about your TEDx talk, which I loved. It was so great. Please tell yeah. us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking the time to watch that, which was uh, really cool of you to take the time before we even met to to watch that and give me feedback on it. that. That let me know like already that you and I were going to connect on a deeper level, and our first conversation didn't disappoint at all, and neither has this conversation. So, um, thank you. Yeah, and so my TED talk, my TEDx talk, is called "Why Are Billion Dollar Brands Chasing Intimacy." And it's the idea that in an age where we're more connected than ever, people actually report feeling more disconnected than ever before. In fact, 72% of people report feeling lonely or isolated, even when surrounded by family and friends. And it's my opinion that there's no more truth in that than in business. I mean, in business, we go to work, we have to put these work faces on, we can't be ourselves. Um, And in business as a whole, there's just a really missing or gaping hole of intimacy and getting to know each other. And so I have a TEDx talk called Wire Billion Dollar Brands Chasing Intimacy that explores that concept and then shares how some of the biggest brands in the world are using intimacy to build their businesses, their brands, and their employees. And so it's for anybody who uh, falls in any of those categories, whether they're entrepreneurs or artists or employees who just want to become better at what they do. Um, then maybe, you know, checking out uh, the TED Talk might be a good idea. Awesome. And I will also include links to all of your fun stuff in the show notes so people can check that out. Okay, Rob, thank you so much. Our official talking about uh, meditation and mindfulness has, has concluded, but now we're about to enter a new phase of our talk. Which is my extra silly, not related uh, topic about hummus. And this section is called Hummus Among Us. And I've got hummus here. So Rob and I are talking remotely. So we're in different locations. But we both have the same hummus. This hummus is from Eatsy's. So for people that live in the DFW area, you can find eat season. This particular hummus is roasted red pepper, and we're both opening it. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> they have really good packaging, right, Rob? Yeah, they do. It took, <laughs> took me a little bit to open it up. Oh, my God. And I've already actually opened mine. So, uh, all right. So let's talk about when, when I posed this to you about hummus – you're, I think you told me you don't really eat hummus. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always open to eating some hummus, but I never, I, I never buy it or, you know, it's not, it's not anywhere in the top 100 of things I think about buying. So I, I like it, but I just, it's not a, a common thing that I eat. 
Okay. So now I'm super curious. What are, say, the top five things or several of the things you typically like eating? Yeah. So I'm vegetarian right now. have been for almost a year and a half. Um, and I'm similar to my morning routine. I basically eat the same stuff every day. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it's funny. Some people make fun of me for it. So the top things that I eat um, are blueberries, mm. pineapple, mm-hmm. um, mango. And then I also have a lot of eggs. Mm-hmm. I have black beans, brown rice, and avocado. And in fact, in the morning, I'll have blueberries, mango, and pineapple in a cup get the first thing uh, that I eat, then I'll have like three or four scrambled eggs. And then afternoon for lunch, uh, what I'll probably eat in just a little bit is going to be a burrito with uh, eggs, black beans, brown rice, avocado, and maybe like a little bit of hot sauce. Yum. Okay. Well, I'm curious what you think of this hummus, because obviously I think it's pretty awesome because I selected it out of all the hummus and all the land to share with you today. So let's both of us. So I've got uh, broccoli for what I'm dipping my hummus in. And what do you have on your end? I have a nice celery stock. I'm going to put some more hummus on this, but I got a big old stock of celery that I'm about to dig into right now. Okay. All right. Should we... Do we have it where the mic is hearing us chew it or something? I know. Okay. So if this offends people, because I know there are people out there who cannot stand to hear people chew. They think it's it's pretty uncouth and it sounds horrible. But so if that's you, I'm going to give you guys a fair warning. Just yeah. don't listen right now. But this yeah, exactly. is in real time. This is us eating hummus live. So let's let's each do that. All right. Let's do it. Mm. Hmm. What do I you think? Get, I think you get three bites. That's good. Isn't it good? That's good. Is it tastes? Are there eggs in there? No, Mm-mm, there isn't. Look at the uh, ingredients. It's super pure. It's like basic stuff. It's like. Uh, hold on. Oh, Garbanzo yeah, it's at the bottom. Beans, right? Garbanzo beans, tahini paste, oil. But it's interesting that you you feel – do you feel like a, an egg fluffiness about it? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. I'm not – Smoothness? So, yeah, I'm not – so I'm, I told you I'm not a big foodie person. But, yeah, there was like um, like a – maybe this isn't the right word, but like a puree about it, like an egg. Mm-hmm. Egg, like puree or like – um, like it reminds me of like, um, maybe like a tuna salad, like the, the consistency of it. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a whipped, a whipped nature. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take another bite real quick. Right. It's good. Um, do you, okay. Curious. So it comes with this layer of red pepper sauce. I mean, you know, pureed, I guess. Do, yeah. Are you the kind of guy that mixes it all together or are you kind of keeping it separate when you're oh, eating it? I, Half of it is mixed with that red pepper, so I just went straight for the mix. I, yeah, mix. yeah, yeah. I, I put it. I'll usually do it so that like a portion of it's mixed. Maybe not all of it, but like a, a good portion of it's mixed. So that way, if I want to go outside of the mix and just try that, then I can, and then I can go right back into the mixed portion. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so I'm not trying to, and I'm not getting kickbacks from from Eepsies or anything like that. But I'm just curious. Do you think you would ever come back and buy this hummus? And it's okay if you don't. If you're like, eh, I'm one and done. It's okay. But I'm curious. Do you like it enough where you're like, hmm, it's interesting. Maybe I'll uh, add it, add it in. Yeah. So. I don't know where Eatsy's is. This is, I would say, one of the better hummus that I've had. So if it was close by, mm-hmm. after finishing this, I would probably get some, uh, which said something because I don't, I don't buy hummus. Um, if it was like further away, then I would wait for someone to either gift it or if somebody was talking about hummus, I'd be like, hey, have you tried Eatsy's? Like mm, mm-hmm. this podcast, we're eating it on there. So you, should, you might want to check it out. <laughs> okay. So just typical, like two lo- locations that I can think of that are pretty convenient and there might be more. And I should put the Eatsy's uh, website on the uh, show notes. So we'll do that too. But uh, the one that I like is right there on Oaklawn and Lemon. Oh, that's like within 10 minutes of me. Mm, no excuses now, Rob. No, zero. zero mm, and then, and then lovers and Northwest. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, Tollway. Lovers and Tollway. Okay. A little further. But yeah, I, I think I know where that's at. I'm not good with like. I just gotta like look it up on a map. But yeah, no, the uh, that's close by. Right. So I kind of turned you on to some hummus. I like Sounds that. Good. Yeah. I feel, I feel like my work here is done. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, shoot, good conversation, hooked me up with some hummus that's going to be eaten pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think you, I would definitely pat you on the back if you were here. Right on. I'll do a virtual. Yay. Well, I want to pat you on the back and thank you. I really enjoyed talking with you and learning more about you. And honestly, we, I know I could have talked to you for another hour. So um, you're super interesting. I personally want to do the entrepreneur's dinner. So I'm going to go, uh, continue i think that once you go to the website is it correct that then you send out a, a form to prospective people and they fill it out and all, yeah all and i know um i know there we had an issue with it uh, up until a couple of days ago convert kit my email uh, provider didn't send stuff out but it's working now so yeah once you go to entrepreneursdinner.com and click the join us button mm-hmm. and i immediately send out an email and included in the email is a link to an application Something that uh, people really like about us is the application uh, that we have and just really the process to attend a dinner. So it's it's invite only, meaning people have to apply in order to get there. If they don't apply, they don't come. No ifs, ands, or buts. And yeah, it's just a, an application that gets to know a little bit more about you. Uh, from there, we schedule a phone call and we actually have a, a one-on-one phone call with a really, like people love the phone call. I mean, I've had people... Literally, Melissa, I've had people like cry on the phone with me. I've had people oh. say it was, you know, one of the best phone calls they've had. Actually, so Kristen's okay with me sharing this because I've asked her before, but Kristen and I had a conversation and she definitely, she teared up and um, I think it was beneficial to her and she ended up, um, after that dinner, we still don't know why, but she ended up having the best month ever in her business mm. after the first dinner that she attended and she's uh, she's obviously, she's doing really well for herself, so that says a lot and that was uh, really cool. But yeah, just going to entrepreneursdinner.com gets the application and we go from there. I love it. So just to kind of put a, a bow on this, I think when I think about you, Rob, I think about connection. I think about 
your personal practice, which is all about connecting inside, right? Getting to that space, making time for that space, honoring that space within yourself. You're then able to create opportunities for people to connect both within themselves and then to one another. And I can tell you from my personal experience too, that my business began to thrive when my focus became connection, when it became about not me, but the person I was serving. And I feel like you are doing a great job of weaving all of those pieces together. You're connected, you're helping others connect and helping people connect to people they didn't know before. And it's it's all about relationships. So thank you for doing this beautiful thing in the world. One last question for people who may be listening outside of the DFW Metroplex. Can they become involved in Entrepreneur's Dinner? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have people that come from around the country. So it's not just Dallas, Fort Worth. We have people that come uh, from Texas that are in Houston and Austin, Texas and other places. Uh, But really, we have people from all over the country that come from California, from Minnesota, New York and everywhere in between. And in fact, on average, we have people flying in from three or four different states for each dinner. So if you're you're coming from out of the country, you're more than welcome. But um, real quickly, Melissa, I just want to say thank you for, so first of all, that summary was uh, awesome. You're mm. spot on. And I, I appreciate uh, not only the acknowledgement, but the encouragement. Mm. And um, yeah, these these conversations have been awesome. So I'm looking forward to, you know, further and developing our friendship. And I mean, shoot, this is a, a hell of a second conversation right here, Heck right? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. good stuff. <laughs> so thank you for the work you're doing and, and the, uh, the message you're spreading. Mm, thank you so much, Rob. So till next time when we talk, um, please take good care and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to check out any of the things Rob spoke about, I have links on my website, www.yourmindfuledge.com under the podcast heading. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast if you would like to know when the next episodes are coming out. See you next time. Thank you.